there is a narrow road, and that narrow road, it leads to life. It is life-giving. It is life-bringing. It is life-sustaining. It's a road of life and not of death. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was ripped in half by an invisible hand, and it meant far more than most would imagine. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're continuing the new series, Mercy Triumphs, with the message of the veil. You know, the very moment Jesus died, the great veil in the temple was torn asunder. Jewish writers say that it was 60 feet long, 20 feet wide, woven to the thickness of a man's hand, and required 300 men to lift it up. Yet, an invisible power ripped it from top to bottom. In today's message, we're going to explore what the veil symbolized and what it meant for us when it was torn in half at Jesus' death. I believe you're going to be blessed by the powerful truth from God's Word. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message of the veil. Now, during the lifetime of Jesus, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem was the center of religious life. It's sort of like if you're a member of this church, if you go to this church, this building is the center. It's where we all meet. It's the center of our religious, spiritual, Christian life. That's what the temple was in the days of Jesus. The temple, even in the New Testament, at the beginning of the New Testament, played a significant role in many, many things that testified to who Jesus was. It was in the temple where Simeon and Anna first spied the baby Jesus, held him up and prophesied over him. It was in the temple. It was in the temple where the 12-year-old Jesus was finally found by his parents, shocked to see him sitting amongst the doctors of the law, questioning them and answering their questions and blowing them away with his precocious wisdom. That was in the temple. It was in the temple where Jesus walked in and overthrew the money changers' tables after he made a whip himself and went in there and used it on them. He wasn't being very politically correct that day. He walked in and whipped them out. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That was the temple. It was in the temple where Jesus was charged with crimes he had not committed. It's where he first began going through what we might call kangaroo court where they were accusing him of things that he hadn't done. That was in the temple. The temple was the place where animal sacrifices were carried out and the worship, the Judaistic worship, according to the law of Moses, was faithfully followed every single day. That was the temple. And, of course, it was the temple that the disciples pointed to and say, Lord, isn't that an amazing building? And Jesus said, I'm telling you, the day is going to come when not one stone is going to be left on top of another because you have not recognize the day of your visitation. 
So in 70 AD, Roman, the Roman legions under Titus went in and attacked Jerusalem and leveled the temple that not one stone was left on another, just like Jesus said, because he was the greatest prophet of all. The temple. Now the temple, if you and I had lived back then and had walked up to it, we would have noticed immediately that it was divided into three parts. There was the outer court, and the only way I know to explain the outer court it was very informal. The outer court was like our foyer, where everybody mingles and talks and, you know, how's the weather and how's business and so on and so forth. That was the outer court. Anybody was welcome into the outer court. But then you went a little step further, and then there was the holy place. And the holy place is where the priests only had daily access to the holy place, and they would go in and burn incense and trim the lamps daily under the ordination of Moses. But then if you went further, but you couldn't go further, but if you had been able to go further, you would have gone into one last place called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the sacred place where only one man, one time a year, I'm going to say it again, one man, one time a year, that's it. It was occupied one time a year, one man, the high priest was permitted to go in and offer the sacrifice for the great day of atonement. The Holy of Holies was the earthly dwelling place of God's presence. Now that earthly dwelling place is you. Think about that. The earthly dwelling place where the Shekinah glory rested and the place where the presence of God was uniquely manifested was the Holy of Holies. But I'm going to say it again. Now it's moved from the temple to you, for you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, what a great and awesome and unbelievable honor that is. Now, if you had been able to go inside the Holy of Holies, you would have noticed one thing in there, and that's the Ark of the Covenant. There sat the Ark of the Covenant. And if you had been able to lift the lid and look in, you would have seen the tablets of stone chiseled out by the very finger of God, the Ten Commandments resting in that Ark. If you had been able to jump back about 500 years sooner, there would have also been in there Aaron's rod that budded and also a little jar that had an example of the manna that had fallen every day for 40 years to feed the children of Israel in the wilderness. You would have found that, but 500 years had gone by, so the rod had gone to ashes and the manna as well. But the one thing that did remain was those stone tablets with the commandments of God. And then you would have noticed the lid. The lid was made of pure gold, and it looked like wings. And that was called the mercy seat. And this high priest would walk in on the Day of Atonement and he would go in there with the blood of a bull or the blood of a goat and he would sprinkle blood on top of that mercy seat because it was by the mercy of God we were forgiven. He would sprinkle it on top of that mercy seat and make atonement for the people. Very, very, very powerful truth. There's so much you could talk about. But listen to what Hebrews 9, 7 says. Only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year and he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins the people had committed. Notice the priest was as sinful as the people. But here's the deal. The blood of an animal did not suffice. The blood of an animal did not do it. 
You know how we know that? Because they had to do it year after year after year after year. And at priest after priest after priest, decades became centuries, centuries more and centuries more. You had to continuously every year shed blood for the sins of the people. And that's why Hebrews tells us when Jesus died, it was once for all. Because he was the priest that had no sin. The Bible says it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. And that's why they had to do it repeatedly. So the Holy of Holies experienced activity only one time a year. The rest of the time it was dark and silent and solemn. If the high priest entered any other day than the Day of Atonement, he was struck down dead. If the high priest came in without the blood of a bull or a goat, he was struck down dead. If any other person decided to go in there and look around, they were struck down dead. You know what message that gives us and gave them particularly in that day? The whole system screamed, stay away. God is untouchable, unapproachable. He's frightening. He's scary. I can't understand him. I better not go near him. I would love to experience his presence, but I can't go beyond the veil. It said you aren't qualified to enter on your own good works, your own good looks, your own good effort, your own good will. Nobody can enter in. You must know that it's there, but you can't enter. You know that it's there, but you can't go through it. There's you on this side and God on this side. In order to make this separation crystal clear, God had ordered that a thick curtain be hung between the holy place and the most holy place, the holy of holies, and we call that the veil. That's what in the video our guy walked up to and hit it and got kind of caught up in it and then had to go away. But then when he realized that there was a bloody cross on his palm, then he approached it, and a hand that had been crucified reached through it and pulled him through. And the idea being that only by Jesus do you get past that veil of separation. So God was making it crystal clear. There's a separation between you and me. And when we think of a curtain or a veil, when I first read about this many, many years ago, I thought it was like living room drapes. You know, just something hanging down. Until I read the Bible and did a little research. Exodus 26, 31 describes this veil that separated the people from God. Describes it as a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen with cherubim worked into it by a skilled craftsman. Now, what are those cherubim doing there? You remember back when Adam and Eve fell? in the garden, and they were driven out of the garden. And it says that God posted cherubim around the tree of life so that Adam and Eve could not access it. So the cherubim were used all the way back in the garden to bring separation, to signify and reinforce the separation between God and man that resulted because of sin. So that's why they're in this veil. That's why they're there. Jewish writers say that this veil was 60 feet long, 20 feet wide, woven the thickness of a man's hand. It was about six inches thick of woven yarn, as thick as three phone books. 
No man can rip that. It required 300 men to lift it up and put it in place. So it was an impenetrable, awesome, intimidating veil. Such a curtain, and this is the whole idea, could never be torn in two by the hands of man. Only God could tear apart a curtain like that. And that's why the Bible tells us the curtain was torn from top to bottom, testifying that God had done what only God can do. I've got good news for you today. God tore it. And there's a reason that He did. So follow me now. But the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies, that huge veil that took 300 men to put up, what it signified was we were separated from God's presence by our sin. And that's the message of the veil. That's the first message. We were separated from God by our sin. Isaiah the prophet wrote, your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. And the veil was a daily reminder of that to the Jewish people. Every time they saw that veil, they said separation. Why? Because we sin. We can't reach him. We can't reach him by our own good works, by our own good name, by any money, any price. We cannot reach him. That veil of separation tells me there is a great chasm between me and God. And how frustrating that is. I want in, but I can't get in. I want to experience Him, but I can't experience Him because of the veil. When you think about it, the veil was like a giant roadblock, making sure that nobody could come into God's presence uninvited. Now, both Matthew, Mark, and Luke record that when Jesus was dying, He cried out with a loud voice. You know, I was thinking about this. I can't remember a time in the gospel accounts when Jesus really screamed or yelled, but he did on the cross. He did on the cross. So piercing was the cry that a Roman centurion standing by was moved to say, truly, this was the Son of God. There was something about that scream, something about that yell, and this centurion believed on the spot. At the very moment this loud cry of the dying Christ rang over the heads of the awestruck multitude, that imposing wall of separation was laid hold of by a pair of giant hands and torn in half from top to bottom. Well, I think it made a loud noise. We're talking about something at least six inches thick, 20 feet high, and all of a sudden it was ripped, and the word torn in the Greek language is a powerful word. It means ripped with force. This was not a casual, kind of slow-going tear. This was God. It was as if God was saying, I've hated this separation as much as you have. Rip! Now, the veil being dramatically ripped in two by God himself was the physical symbol of three powerful spiritual truths. And I pray you get these truths today because, listen, something like that that is that dramatic does not happen unless there is a powerful spiritual meaning behind it for us in the New Testament living under the blood of Jesus today. So let me tell you what those three truths are. First, a door was opened. A door was opened. Listen to Hebrews 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter. Can you say those four words with me? Can boldly enter. Let's try it again. One, two, three. We can boldly enter. We can boldly enter. Heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus, 
And then it goes on to say, by his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. Christ's body was torn on the cross, just like the veil was torn in the temple, providing an open door to heaven, an open door to heaven, an open door to heaven through his blood. I love four of the words. I love those four words. We can boldly enter. Now, I want you to picture with me in your mind's eye a door. And this was real up until Jesus came. Here's a door. Here it is. It's a beautiful door. It's an impressive door. And we know that on the other side of that door is the presence of God, relationship with God, the blessings of God, the favor of God, experiencing God. We know that on the other side of that door awaits an incredible life and experience. But written on the door is a message. Because of your sin, you cannot enter. We grab that knob and we're frustrated. Let me in, let me in. But we see that it's bolted, it's chained, it's latched. We can't get through. You can't go over it, you can't go around it, you can't go under it, you sure can't go through it. We long to be reunited with our maker, but we can't. There's this door, there's this issue, there's this problem, there's this veil. You can bang on it, it's not going to open. Because of your sin, you cannot enter. Because of your sin, you cannot enter. Padlock, chain, bolted by our sin. But when Jesus died on the cross, listen, His shed blood provided the only key available in the entire universe that could open that door. And so now we come up to that door and there's a different message written on it. And that different message says, Whosoever will, let him come by the blood of the Lamb. Whosoever will. So now I walk up to that door and I find that if I say I believe in Jesus, I trust Christ, I receive Him into my heart, I trust in the shed blood of the Lamb, that the doorknob now turns and we hear on the other side the chains and latches fall off and we walk through that door. He opened a door when the veil was ripped in half. A door was opened. Say with me, we're no longer blocked by the curtain. We've been escorted through the curtain into the very holy of holies where God's glory is manifested, which we experience today when we worship. Did you notice when we worship, there was a presence that was beyond you and beyond me. That's the holy of holies, the Shekinah glory. When the Holy Spirit fell upon the church on the day of Pentecost, that was their birthday. And when that Holy Spirit fell, that was the power everybody was wanting to get to on the other side of the veil but couldn't. But now... It's for anybody, whosoever will. If you're a whosoever, say amen. amen. So first, a door was opened. But second, a road was paved. It says this, Hebrews 10, 20. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place, meaning into the richness of his presence. This is the road that Isaiah talked about when he wrote. He said, I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. This is God talking through Isaiah in the first person. I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a road in the wilderness. 
See, the wilderness he's talking about is our total inability to get to God on our own. We can't get there by good works. We can't get there by good intention. We can't get there by any other way. He's got to pave the road. We can't do it. He's got to be our way maker. We were lost in the wilderness of sin. But here's what the word way is telling us, a new and living way. But now God has paved a road right through that wilderness, right into his presence. I don't know if you've ever been lost in the woods. I've been lost in the woods a few times. I have a terrible sense of direction. I mean, you can just put me somewhere and turn me a few times and I'm lost. But now, I got lost in the woods. I can't tell you when you're, you know, reaching through stickers and bramble and forest and trees and bushes, trying to find your way, how thrilling it is when you see a path or a road because you know that a road is going to take you out of being lost. Now, here's the deal. A door provides access in, but a road provides the means of reaching a destination. And the two are completely distinct and different. A new and living way means once you walk through that door, there's a road looking right at you. Once you walk through that door, there's a road. It's paved. It's beautiful. It is so welcome to see it. There's your road, the highway of holiness, the king's highway. Jesus said there's two roads in life. He said, there's a broad road that leads to destruction and many there be that go in thereat. But he said, there is a narrow road. And that narrow road, it leads to life. It is life-giving. It is life-bringing. It is life-sustaining. It's a road of life and not of death. Wow, what a powerful word regarding the veil in the temple. It reiterates to me that God created an everlasting way into His presence through the shed blood of His only begotten Son. What a privilege it is each and every day to come into His presence by the new and living way created through Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. In just a moment, our announcer is going to be sharing some important information with you, our Life Talk listeners. And I want to personally thank you for your prayerful support of our broadcast. We're now reaching into every state in the Union with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's exciting to see how God has expanded Life Talk, and you helped make that possible. And be sure to join next time as we continue with part two of the Message of the Veil. Now, here's our announcer to tell you more. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand. Today's broadcast or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. 
You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. And you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. The Message of the Veil is the second message of Pastor Jeff's series, Mercy Triumphs. You can own a copy of this four-CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to LifeTalkRadio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Mercy Triumphs, for only $20 plus shipping by logging on to LifeTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.